0: Hi, everybody. Uh, Today's March 10th, 2023, and I have an honored guest, um, a gentleman whose comics I have read, and uh, he's been a mainstay in the comic book world. I'm going to let him explain a little bit about uh, what's been going on in the comic book world and what's been happening with him. This is Mike Barron. Can you tell us a little about yourself and what's what's keeping uh, your comics from us and uh, what's going on in the comic book world? So what's been the, the most recent crisis?
1: Well, the ongoing crisis. Uh, it's the same crisis that's enveloped our entire culture, which is that uh, uh, one faction of the population simply cannot tolerate the other faction of the population. I always say there are two types of people in this world, those who want to be left alone, and those who won't leave them alone. Uh, yeah. The people who won't leave them alone Uh, will do anything for power. I've always said that the average American has his hands full doing his job, taking care of his family, uh, and maybe kicking back a little on the weekends to watch football. But there's a certain class of person that spends every waking second scheming how to get power over others. Uh, They go into politics for three reasons, to line their pockets at the public expense to enjoy special privileges that normal people don't have, and to hurt people that they don't like. And that divide has uh, crept into the arts now, as we can see in the world of cinema, which is much more widely known than the world of comics, but the same thing is happening in comics. Uh, In the world of cinema, you see that uh, the uh, Academy Award Association just laid down new guidelines uh, that all Uh, future nominations must be categorized for so many for certain sexual orientations and races and something. So the quality of the work is no longer uh, the criterion. Uh, And this has to do with the left's overwhelming problem, which is the inability to see individual human beings for what they are. Uh, They seem to have forgotten Martin Luther King entirely, who asked that people be judged by the content of the character and not the, the color of their skin. Well, we're on the exact opposite side of this. Uh, And comic books, being a pale reflection of entertainment in general, have gone along. Uh, I rarely read mainstream comics, but every time I dip back in, uh, I find no entertainment value whatsoever. Uh, I find a lecture, a scold, uh, uh, talking points, uh, a lack of originality. And this is because they're hiring people who aren't qualified. You know, I have three reasons, three, three rules when I write either a, a novel or a comic. And, and the number one rule is, is it's my job to entertain. And I never lose sight of that fact. Uh, you have to give the reader a reason to turn the page. The essential question in all fiction is what happens next? And the reader's not going to turn the page if he doesn't care. And the main way you make the reader care is by telling an entertaining story that enthralls him, her, Z, or it. <laughs> and that's what I tried to do. I'm not gonna go into the, the, the two other reasons. They're, they're kind of technical for writers, uh, but but that's the job number one. And, and both cinema uh, and comics seem to have forgotten that. And this has caused a wholesale departure in comics by many veteran illustrators and writers, uh, honored honored people, Chuck Dixon who created Bane, uh, Billy Tucci who wrote uh, our uh, our Army at War and, and illustrated it, Graham Nolan the co-creator of Bane, Ethan Van Sciver who used to illustrate Green Lantern, uh, they find the present uh, culture of comics, editorial uh, culture, to be anathema to free expression and creation. Uh, and one thing we all have in common uh, is that it's our first goal to entertain. And that's why our books are selling. Well, how do we sell our books? We crowdfund our books on platforms. Uh, but as you know, these platforms are inimical to conservatives. Uh, and according to a scurrilous, because of a scurrilous attack on me uh, by the Daily Cause, which is a far left hate site We were kicked off Kickstarter and CrowdFunder. I sent you a picture of the author of that article. Uh, It should come as no surprise to anyone when they see her, although I apologize if I'm not using the right pronoun. And then uh, my partner, Chris Brawley, interviewed the head of CrowdFunder and he said, we're not gonna have anybody associated with Comicsgate on, on our platform uh because we don't like them because a whole bunch of people told us that they were sexist racist homophobes etc and none of that is true it's just it's all lies uh and it it's it comes down to the leftist philosophy yes there she is she wrote this article out of the blue and the headline was mike Barron releases another racist af comic book now i'll bet you any amount of money this person has never read anything that i've written she characterized the new book, which she has not seen, there it is, uh, Private American, as uh, uh, racist. But, you know, and, and I don't get that, there's nothing racist in it, because she hadn't read it. So we contacted the Daily Kos, and, and Marcos himself actually responded. And Chris asked, have you read Thin Blue Line? She characterized Thin Blue Line as a comic about white racist cops going into black neighborhoods to kill as many black people as possible. Well, nothing could be further from the truth. Uh, the two protagonists of that novel don't kill anyone, in fact. Uh, and, and Chris said, have you read Thin Blue Line? And Marcos says, uh, no. So Chris said, would you like to read it? And Marcos responded, uh, if I have to. So Chris posted a PDF of the complete book for him to access online. That was six weeks ago. And as of today, he hasn't looked at it. That's another thing about these people. They know what they know, and that's all they know. And facts have nothing to do with it. Uh, so they left us no alternative. They, they, they tarred me as a racist. Uh, they're going after my ability to make a living. So we're suing them.
0: Yeah, now you have a great uh, a name for the site. Let's see if I can find it for us. Uh, <laughs> it's Mike Barron versus the yeah. scum
1: of the universe.
0: Yeah, here we go. Hold on a second. <laughs> Earth. Yeah. So so people can find, this is a GoFundMe. This is um, yeah. uh, GoFundMe, Mike Barron. <laughs> it's also Barron's Fight, you see up here. Um, you've raised $5,700. Um, people can uh, share and donate uh, to this. We're ra- raising money for uh, Mike Barron's legal fees to fund a lawsuit against the Daily costs, their writer, other parties, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, so, that's, so this follows extensive censorship from big te- tech platforms um and then there's media coverage as well i'm going to pull some of that um but i'd like to kind of get back to you and uh, the state of comic books and so forth um, <clears throat> so it, it, you know to kind of use a, a comic book trope it's like a post you know there are a lot of post-apocalyptic uh say that three times fast post-apocalyptic uh post-apocalyptic comic books uh, out there, and we're we're sort of in the the uh, the 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 treatise uh, of that right now. That, I mean, we're we're kind of wandering amongst corpses of comics, um, and then there's, you know, and again, another comic book trope. This alternate universe. I mean, there seem to be two universes out there. Can you talk about that? What's the landscape right now? Well, as
1: I said, I very rarely read regular comics because most of them, whether they're malicious or not, don't have much entertainment value. There's a great science fiction writer named Theodore Sturgeon. Sturgeon's law says 80% of everything is crap. Wait, that might be 90%. Uh, and he's right. I mean, uh, you you scroll through the TV for hour after hour looking for something that will entertain, and 90% of that is crap. So you got to really look for the good stuff. And once you find it, you stick to it and there's not never enough good stuff. Uh, but those of us who crowdfund our own books, and I'm talking about the Comic Skate Kings, which is a, a a small group that you have to be invited into because anybody can call themselves Comic Skate. And a lot of people do in hopes of catching a tailwind by association. And some of these people, uh, in my opinion, do not behave very well uh, on the internet. Uh, in fact, the internet has brought out the worst in, in, in many people. Uh, it allows people to attack others sight unseen, like this creature who wrote the article, out of the blue and, and to reach a huge audience. And if you've ever been the subject of a cancel campaign, as I have, it's no fun, but you learn a few things. Uh, those of us in the Comics Gate Kings are dedicated to providing entertainment first. Now, is it's just my curse that I happen to have chosen uh, hot button subjects for my books. Uh, The reason I wrote Thin Blue Line was because uh, three years ago uh, we watched city after city burning down Mm -hmm. and always some proud member of the Lick Spittle out front explaining that these were mostly peaceful protests and then politicians, people who had sworn an oath to uphold the constitution started calling for defunding the police. And we've seen mm-hmm. the result of that. And, and my reaction was incredulity. Uh, you're either for the rule of law or you're not. You're either for civilization or you're for chaos. Uh, and civilization requires the rule of law. So I wrote the book. But remember, rule number one, this is a vital, entertaining story that will grab you by the throat on the first page and drag you through to the end. And you'll get irritated if anybody interrupts your reading. That's what I try to do. My first rule is always to entertain. And everybody who's read it says not only is it entertaining, it's one of the best comics they've ever written. read. Uh, now, the thing about Private American is I used to write The Punisher. I wrote The Punisher for five years. Uh, and uh, the reaction has always been very positive. People love my Punisher. Uh, even today, they say, Why doesn't Marvel understand the Punisher? Why can't they get it right? Uh, They can't get it right because they don't want to get it right. In fact, the Punisher has become an embarrassment to them. The creator of the Punisher, who threw him into one book as a rip off of uh, Don Pendleton's The Executioner, that's all he is, uh, is embarrassed by the Punisher and Uh, lambass military and police who use the Punisher symbol, which he attributes to uh, their desire to inflict pain on lesser races or whatever. And that's not what the Punisher symbol uh, means. Chris Kyle used the Punisher symbol, and it means defender of the innocent. And that's what police uh, use it for too. One of the reasons I wrote Thin Blue Line is, I know a number of police officers and the cops I know, are good people. Now, we all know there are bad cops out there. Nobody denies that. It's just that the overwhelming majority of them are civic-minded. They went into the police to make a difference in other people's lives, and um, many of them have. But as you know, uh, the rhetoric from the left of defunding the police and demonizing them has resulted in the wholesale uh, quitting of police officers all over the country overwhelmingly in Democrat-run cities. Uh, Police suicides are through the roof. Uh, They get no support from their local government. Major Democratic strongholds such as Portland, Seattle, Los Angeles, Chicago, Minneapolis. Downtown are ghost towns now. The last Walmart closed its doors in Oregon because of wholesale looting. They passed laws that said if you steal less than $900 worth of merchandise. Don't even bother to report it because it's not even a misdemeanor anymore. Uh, and that's one of the reasons I wrote the book. Uh, and uh, the reason I wrote uh, Private American is I said, uh, well, there, there needs to be a Punisher type character that's true, true to his roots. Uh, what would the Punisher be doing today? He'd be down on the Southern border, protecting innocent lives, stopping human traffickers, stopping the flow of fentanyl, stopping the flow of terrorists that are rushing over the southern border. Uh, And it didn't seem to be to be a controversial idea. 10 or 20 years ago, it wouldn't be controversial. But today, because the left controls the narrative, the news, entertainment, politics and education, uh, and because children are no longer trained in civics, they have no knowledge of the Declaration of Independence, the Constitution, or the Bill of Rights. Uh, they buy whatever their teachers tell them. And I don't have to tell you what their teachers are telling them because it's in the news every day. Uh, teachers trying to hide the fact that they're counseling preteens to undergo gender transition uh, and so forth. But uh, I, I, So I created this character, Marco Zamora, who's a second generation Cuban uh, and a veteran who lives in Texas who watches the, the complete factlessness of uh, American law and order. And this is not to condemn the border patrol. They'd love to do their job, but they're not given any support and they're not given any, uh, enough personnel. Uh, he says, well, I, a man can't just sit around. I'm going to go take action in my own hands. He's a vigilante in the classic American sense of Charles Bronson, in uh, Death Wish, uh, Dirty Harry, Clint Eastwood. America has always loved vigilantes. And one of the reasons is vigilantes settled the West uh, because as the settlers pressed westward, they were way ahead of civilization. Civilization follows the explorer. It doesn't greet them. Most people say, well, there were Indians out there. And that's certainly true. The Indians were out there. Uh, But what most people don't know is that every Indian tribe uh, secured its own terror- territory by making war on and conquering a previous Indian tribe that was there. Uh, I'm not
0: saying that they're villains, but they're not saints either. They're people like you were me. No, they're human beings. I yeah. mean, it's, you know, they didn't have, you know, war um, costumes because they, you know, only sat around peacefully. I mean, they, they were like every you know aggregation there's 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 teams and there's there you're in or you're out and and you're absolutely right i mean they had to defend themselves and um you know they had war chance they had war um costumes they had war yep. it seems pretty obvious
1: which is not to denigrate the uh, uh the atrocities committed by by whites like, such as the sand creek massacre or the wounded knee massacre those those are uh, unjustifiable in any sense and and they should be remembered, but it has to be taken in context.
0: Absolutely right. Um, so what were your favorite comics growing up?
1: Conan the Barbarian, Master of Kung Fu, Swamp Thing, Captain Marvel. Uh, also, uh, the Uncle Scrooge comics created by Carl Barks. Anybody who wants to make comics, study the work of Carl Barks. He was a master. There's not a wasted word or a panel in anything he ever did. Hmm. Uh, and, uh, you know, I loved Underground's too. I couldn't get enough of Zap comics. I love Gilbert Shelton, the fabulous Furry Freak Brothers. I love R. Crumb, a whole bunch of those people. Uh, and we don't really have anything like that today. We have a new kind of... Uh, alternate comic scene, uh, uh, which is typified like by the Hernandez brothers and Art Spiegelman. Uh, and uh, some of their stuff is, is good and some of it isn't. It's, it's kind of hit and miss. Uh, the most entertaining comics uh, I've seen recently are crowdfunded, independently produced. And there's a huge market for these. Uh, we've been very successful with our crowd funders. Uh, but the war on conservative thought and entertainment, which covers the entire panoply of entertainment. Uh, and you know what, what I'm talking about. If you speak up your crush, you lose all your contacts, you're no longer welcome. Uh, James Woods can't get any work. Uh, Kevin Sorbo can't get any work. Uh, because they're conservative or they declare that they were Christian, there's no room for them in today's Hollywood. And there seems to be a rule out there Uh, that you have to virtue signal 24-7 in in order to hold on to your job. Well, uh, just something about virtue signaling rubs me the wrong way. Uh, Because my second rule of storytelling is show, don't tell. And Mm -hmm. it's a good rule for life as well. You want to do good works? Do good works, but don't release a press release about it. Don't have a camera crew following around. Don't constantly yell from the rooftop, I am a good person. I back this, this, and this. And, And I think the... Uh, the perfect example of that is the "I believe" sign.
0: Yeah, no, I know, I know what I'm talking. About. I know. I mean, vir- virtue signaling is is an oxymoron, uh, as you know, as is the, the kind of the the uh, other word for it, humble brag. Um, I, I maintain that that social justice is an oxymoron as well, because yeah, absolutely, there's justice, is justice when you justice put a is on it. You know, if somebody if somebody comes along and he's uh, white, purple, green, brown, or whatever, and and I don't know you know, bangs your mother upside the head, uh, your reaction's not, oh, well, um, uh, this, 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 and, you know, a circumstance, whatever. No, your, your natural reaction and always should be, you know, the, this guy just banged my mother upside the head. And that, that's what it is. It's a personal justice. And, you know, we've fortunately offloaded some of our eye for an eye kind of stuff to the um, establishment, as it were, the, 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 um, the state. Uh, you know, either, you know, in the old days when it was a, a locality, but now it's a big state. Um, and we trust them to to follow up on the justice aspect because otherwise we would take things in our own hand. You know, I've I've heard um, a lot of times people argue against nationalism as a bad thing, but nationalism takes the place of tribalism. Tribalism takes the place of internecine battles. Internecine da- battles take the, the place of, of, you know, pe- people, you know, having hand-to-hand combat, you know, <laughs> every moment of their lives. You know, so we, we do this as a way of offloading uh, some of these, you know, aspects of having to go kill the guy who just, you know, smacked your mother up the side of the head. Um, and that's that's your natural instinct. But, you know, it's like, well, you know, what, I'm going to let justice take over. But if it turns out it's social that, that somebody says, oh, well, this person has only this and this person only did that. And, you know, this is not justice anymore. You know, everybody is capable. You know, I, I, I always find it the soft bigotry of low expectations, which is the late Michael Gerson's phrase. Uh, to think that other people can't get the message that it's not right to, you know, shoplift. It's not right to uh, steal. It's not right to bang somebody upside the head, you know, um, without cause and whatnot. Um, and and so, you know, what you're talking about. I mean, you mentioned the $900 limit. You know, there there are states who want to. I think we forget which state it is uh, who wants to change the age of felony um, to 25. I think it was. It might be California because everything's California, but I just read this the other day. It's like, so there are law, lawmakers who are proposing to, you know, absent the possibility or dismiss the possibility of a felony in a violent crime under the age of 25 because their brains haven't formed. Now, I, I think, frankly, your brains have formed enough at age three or four to realize that you can't go, you know, whack somebody upside the head without retribution. Um, and, and, and at any rate, so... <laughs> So you know it's kind of, I and mean, I think you're you're putting out some very reasonable things. I, I I'm an owner of the Thin Blue Line. I helped uh, your original I don't know whether it was Kickfunder, Crowd, kick funder, uh, crowd kick, Kickstarter, Crowdfunder, or Indiegogo. But I I helped uh, uh, spawn that. Not as much as you did, of course, um, but I have it uh, gracing my shelves uh, someplace. And you know I have read it. I've, I've passed around so forth. Um, it's not a racist thing. I mean, you know they the, they they're cops of every color. The Memphis incident lately, uh, I'm sure you're familiar with, um, where there were uh, five policemen who happened, you know, again, I don't really care about their skin color. Um, and and they, they got another guy who's, you know, similar skin color. But it, I don't think that had anything to do with, with what actually happened. I think what, what happened, I mean, it, it could be malfeasance, it could be retribution, it could be that there was, um, you know, some personal vendetta, it could be that these guys are drunk on power. I don't know what it is, or they're over alert, or there's a, so much crime that they they trigger. I don't know what the thing is. There's a story there, someplace, and the story should be told. But it's not necessarily a color lens story, and that's the way everybody still put it, it is wh- as as evidence of white supremacy. Um, so you know this racism thing becomes you know a cudgel um, by which universally to hit at anything, and so to call something racist or racist as f. <laughs> I'm not going to use that word here. Um, is absurd. You know, that is racist AF uh, to to just do this application of anybody who's not part of your stream. And whether it's melanin or conservative leanings or uh, an appreciation for genuine police work, appreciation for civil society.
1: Uh, This comes back to the left's inability to see individual human beings uh, and uh, the memory hole to which they've consigned Martin Luther King. Uh, the smallest minority on earth is the individual. If you're not for individual rights, you can't claim to be for minority rights. Uh, Now, you mentioned nationalism. Uh, You and I know that central planning always leads to disaster, famine, war, torture, and death, always. And what we see today in this country is frightening. As Washington seeks more and more power, creates more and more offices, raises more and more taxes. As Someone said it the other day is, we now have an enormous government trying to extract taxes from a constantly diminishing private sector. And as I said, they're not interested in the welfare of the people. They want to get rich, they want to enjoy special privileges, and they want to hurt people they don't like. Uh, Now, nationalism is the opposite of central planning. Uh, Jefferson uh, spoke about federalism uh, with passion because he wanted to make decisions as local as possible, and that's why he wrote the uh, Constitution to give the ultimate choice of what to do to the states and not to the federal government, uh, because the people who live in the neighborhood know a lot better what they need than somebody in a, uh, uh, a capital suite uh, 2,000 miles away.
0: Yeah, no I understand that. I mean it, you know, fortunately we ha- we have some aspects of federalism and federalism actually kind of a an odd term it's almost an upside down term because right. frankly it's it's not federation it's it's the fact that there's div- division within that federation so you know the individual states and presumably in, inside the lo- localities can make their decisions that that are not from so far top down. You know, we're seeing a lot of the same kind of pushback throughout Europe which didn't amalgamate into actual states the same way we did. We were much more of a voluntary prospect of the 13 colonies uh, turning into the United States. And I I, I bring this up that, the, you know, the term state, uh, when we think of states, we're thinking about Delaware, uh, Rhode Island, what are these individual things you can kind of drive, drive over the border, you can drive from Rhode Island to Connecticut, not even, you know, be sure which is which. They're not really kind of definitive entities uh, the way, say, I don't know, going from Romania to Ukraine might be, you know, different languages and, and different uh, police uniforms and so forth. Um, and maybe, uh, you know, visa or whatever, uh, you know, the, the international state borders um, uh, were a thing. So when we became the United States of America, people these days, I think the emphasis is on the word America, United States of America. And so we're all America. But when they founded it, it was the United States of America, that we were supposed to be individual states, much as Belgium Um, I mean, I'm I'm sure there was a Belgium at the time, but but, you know, in this in the late uh, 18th century, whichever states where there were in Europe, those had individual sovereignty. And, you know, so the concept of federalism is that we have kind of division within the states and we have some greater direct uh, representation, greater direct responsiveness in our towns, in our counties, in our states and so forth before it gets to a federal level. So, you know, I'm basically in agreement, but I think people have this misconception. You know of what a state is in the united states and it meant basically meant a nation and and having you know different you know abilities to control and monitor what comes down from a federal level is crucial to the american experiment which has been so far very successful so to, to kind of finish up my point here during COVID, which has been more the focus and topic of my uh, video cast over the last three years um you know the individual states Had some preservation of liberty if they chose to. And then the the voters had a chance to get rid of the ones who didn't. So, you know, Florida and New York State have the same population essentially, and Florida's is older demographically. And Florida did much better during COVID in all aspects. They had a a lower death rate, even amongst the old people, and they had far more freedom throughout. And and so humans are the same. You know, we pretty much all have belly buttons and, and, uh, you know, most of us fingers and whatnot. Um, But, you know, for some reason, you know, people did better in Florida. They, they, and, and, and whatnot, and that helps us understand and come out with reasonable, rational answers. Because there are divisions between states, a lot of what's happening, seemingly in the Kickstarter world, and whatnot, is that it, it just people just collapse under this kind of pressure from above, which is in, in a sense inimical to the uh, individual and federalist experiment. Sorry for all that.
1: <laughs> well, I agree. Uh, it's the tendency of the despot uh, to seek as much power over others as possible. I seriously doubt whether a majority of congressmen, women, Zs, have read the Constitution or the Bill of Rights. To hear them speak, uh, you'd think they, they have no idea why this country was founded. The first country founded on the primacy of the individual, the only nation on earth to enshrine individual human rights, which spread across the globe because it was an idea whose time has come. Uh, But now uh, we are reaping uh, the crop of of, uh, too much success. There's an old saying that strong men uh, make good times, good times make weak men, and weak men make bad times. And we are in the
0: bad times portion. Yeah, it seems to me. I I know you were on with Andrew Clavin. And he is my, uh, uh, he's my my inspiration often days, uh, and it was a great interview. Um, and and he, he 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 thinks we are in the opposite of Renaissance. You know we're yes. in decay, yes. Um, and that each of us has to maintain the light. You know people talk about the Dark Ages, and I, I think he is probably amongst that group with, who stipulates that the Dark Ages is a misnomer. Uh, they weren't dark. They were ages of of perhaps less. Uh, commerce and less communication, but it wasn't necessarily dark for every individual. It certainly wasn't dark every day for every person. And, and you have to maintain that light. I mean, uh, one of my other idols and and, and beacons is Alexander um, And uh, he went through almost literal hell. Uh, I suppose it's technically figurative hell. Um, but, you know, he came out intact and he came out intact because of his firm uh, belief. Uh, he, you know, he believed in the divine and he believed in the dignity of man. And I think we're getting away from that. We're getting away from kind of our physical selves, and the the exigencies and the commonality which have been throughout all of mankind. And the reason we get resonance from old literature um, is that, you know, humans, you know, have had feelings. They've had feelings, they've had emotions pretty much all in keeping with those prior. Um, and I think the timeless. Uh, you know, that's kind of a, a, an expression in league with this. The timeless uh, works uh, are just that. They are timeless. They they carry on because they resonate with us. And it seems to me, you know, I have not read deeply into your, as the French would say, your oeuvre. Um, I'm not a Mike Barron expert, um, but I'm going to intend to, uh, you know, look further in. I'm, I purchased uh, your, your Punisher just now. And, uh, you know, I, I was a Superman, Batman kind of guy. I started with Superman. I read everything Superman. And, um, then I went to Batman. I, I kind of was DC. I wasn't, um, you know, so much Marvel, um, until maybe a little bit later. Um, and I, I read some art Chrome and whatnot when I was in college. Um, I like comics. I like graphic novels and so forth, but I, I find that a, a little bit akin to what you, you're saying when my kids are growing up, I purchased them. They, they really liked, you know, Batman. My older son was Batman for a number of years. He got irritated when he was four years old. If you called him anything but Batman or, the Dark Knight or whatever. And, and, uh, you know, we have, we have the pictures to document that I know I'm sorry for embarrassing him, but um, you know, so we, we understand and we love the comics and then they, they all got into the Simpsons and whatnot. Um, family guy, my younger son is a cartoonist. Uh, he's an animator um, screenplay kind of guy, but you know, the stories and pictures, I mean, they have literally, or I guess figuratively animated us uh, for the duration. Um, but, you know, through the time when they were kind of into comics, I, I went and purchased them and, and, Uh, A lot of them were just dead. I mean, you know, they I suppose they're all on paper, which is dead trees anyway. But, you know, they just didn't have any life to them. Um, I might have been looking in the wrong place, but I was picking up comics and I picked up some of the, uh, you know, same themes as I had grown up with. And uh, there was just nothing really going on. There's nothing, no grab or or hook or whatever.
1: Well, Sturgeon's Law.
0: Right, right. That's similar to Gelman amnesia. I don't know if you know what that, have you heard of Gelman amnesia? No. So it's another topic another day, but basically uh, Mary Mary Gelman was a top physicist. And when he would read an article by uh, somebody else on something else, I don't know, let's say he's reading an article about, I don't know, um, art in Mexico. Um, When, when he actually comes to experience the thing, he really goes back and reads the article. It's like, wow, this guy knew nothing about this. And the, and I know what it was when he read, read an article in physics. Uh, he'd be like, oh my God, this guy knows nothing about physics. But the Gelman amnesia was to presume that when somebody else is writing on some other topic about which you're not expert, that they actually know about that. And we all all assume that they have the knowledge of that other topic. When they knew as little about physics, from his lens of knowing physics, he could see that people probably didn't know as much about other things that they're espousing they know about. And we've seen this happen over and over again. I think a lot of things you know the the great conspiracy, the COVID conspiracy, turns out to have been on you know an inside job, and and we're finding out more and more. So, you know, there's there's kind of this lens where people either you know seek out and find the truth um, or not. And again, getting back to Andrew Clavin, you know, he's a, a an excellent writer. And he's I, I I just not only like listening to his podcast, um, but you know I I've read his books and so I, I, too. I I I I wish there were more of them because I'm running out in a sense. But um, but he talks about the way that that fiction. Brings out the kind of the truth of the soul that um, even if the obviously it's fiction. So the events are not true in the sense that happened, but they bring out things that resonate with us. And there's good fiction, bad fiction based on how well those things happen. I think that's what you're getting at when you talk about entertainment. I'd be curious uh, if you can maybe capsulize the other two uh, uh, rules by which you uh, live as a cartoonist. Sure. Uh, Number one,
1: entertain. Number two, show, don't tell. This means that any information you can impart to the reader or the watcher visually without talking points, you should. Uh, And There's no better example of this than the beginning of many episodes of Better Call Saul uh, where a camera takes us on a silent journey for about five minutes uh, in which um, uh, Jimmy is working at Cinnabon or Mike (laughs) Ermantrout is trying to get a fake pass to enter a warehouse and at the end of the five minutes, you say, oh, I get it. And of course, that's uh, doubly important for comics uh, because they don't control the pace or what you hear. Uh, but uh, unfortunately, it's a very hard
0: lesson to learn. Uh, hmm. And the third yeah. one is to be original. Yeah, I have to say, I, I had a little bit of, um, you know, I, 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 as I mentioned, I kind of have a love of comics. Um, and I, I don't know if I told you about this, but I'm I, I my my thing lately has been uh, figuratively or literally overturning Zika, the pandemic that never was. So I'm going to uh, maybe just uh, as part of my own selfless uh, shelf, <laughs> uh, self-promotion um, or humble brag or whatever you want to call it, I'm going to just uh, pop up my book here and I'm, I'm going to make it topical in a second. So this is my book, Overturning Zika, which hopes to uh, bring up the fact that the last pandemic was... You know a lot of conjecture that got whipped up into uh science um as it were quote unquote science too quickly um and uh i, I tell people there's a picture of me right here um <laughs> and so so you can buy this uh, on amazon uh, so that's my plug i apologize but no um uh, one of the things i did along the way was uh if i can find it here let me just uh pull this down while i look um uh where did I put it? Oh, I just passed by it. So here, here it is. Uh, I don't know if I told you about this, but I I actually um, made a comic book, uh, The Truth About Zika. Um, and this is the intrepid reporter. Um, and it takes place in um, uh, Brazil, 2015. Uh, the news kind of come up one one narrative. Um, he wants to bring the, the truth about the fact that there was not really, a lot of this just came about through through press leaks and was never really confirmed science. And he gets booted from his um, his newspaper. Anyway, I'm not going to do the whole cartoon here. But, um, but I, I, I saw the modality of cartoon as a way of getting the people who are not going to read the scientific journals and um, not going to read, I have an article in the American Journal of Medicine. I have this book I mentioned you know, people are not going to read that, but more, you know, sitting on the bus, uh, back and forth to work. And by the time I thought, you know, Comic Book would be a good way of doing that. So I'm going to be putting that out, uh, maybe offline. I'll catch uh, some of your advice. I'm sure there's going to be harsh criticism because the story is not written by you. (laughs) The story was written. I had a, a, you know, storyteller help me with it, but it's it's kind of hard to, you know, wedge a little bit of, uh, this is intending to be didactic. It's intending to bring a message and so forth. So it's not, going to be just kind of free-floating as, as much as it might, but I'm still hoping it'll, you know, catch with an audience, and, um, you know, maybe uh, uh, I could uh, leverage some of your thoughts on that at a uh, later date. Maybe too. Um, so, uh, you know, we're kind of, we're, we're rounding around uh, 40 minutes here, um, and uh, I'm going to maybe just pop over some of the the, the sites that are, are of interest, and maybe you could uh, kind of give us some, uh, some uh, closing words and thoughts about uh, what your situation is? What are your uh, warnings uh, for uh, people uh, heading out into the comic book world, and/or uh, what's your message to places like Kickstarter?
1: Oh, your Kickstarter, um, we we don't know yet. But as I said, they deplatformed us, and and uh, they're impossible to communicate with. You send them a message, and there's never any response. So in that sense, they're, they're not very user-friendly. Uh, and there's now a land rush among independent comic producers to create their own crowdfunding sites. And we're working on that, too. Uh, because we can't trust these people. If they don't like your story, what you have to say, uh, they're going to try and destroy your livelihood.
0: Yep. Yep. <laughs> All right. So how, um, let, let's see the, the, the ways that people can get in touch with you, I suppose the best way is, uh, to help support, um, uh, your cause here. And that's, uh, this, well, I guess you mentioned here on fire, uh, which is, um, uh, kind of a free speech, um, freedom of religion, freedom of speech site. I had your Indiegogo up here. Um, if you want let's, to order the book, uh, you have to follow the link, which is
1: theprivateamerican.com, theprivateamerican.com. That'll take yeah. you right to the Indiegogo page. Because otherwise, we're shadow
0: banned. You can't find it if you just go to Indiegogo and type in my name or the name. That's interesting. So let, let's just try that. If we if we put in uh, Mike Barron, um, into Indiegogo. I mean, I'm on your page right now. But if I search for Mike Barron on Indiegogo, um, Got the oh, blue there's Dimble Line. So that's that's progress, I guess. Yeah. And uh, so you're working on there are a few other projects, I guess. Oh, are these multiple for you? Of
1: books I've done in the past. Uh, uh, Smokes the Fox is about a dope smoking mutant fox in Colorado. That wasn't my idea. I was hired to write it, but I'm very proud of it. Uh, Off Wilder was not my idea, but I was hired to write it, and I'm very proud of it. Uh, All right. But my campaign's not the only one being shadow banned. All of my friends are shadow banned as well. And these are uh, some of the major creators in comic history. I ran through their names previously.
0: Right. All right. Well, um, do you have any questions for me at all? Or do you want to? No, Randy, except you you
1: and I are going to talk later about uh, your own work and your comic book work.
0: Yeah, I could could use a little little bit bit of hints about, about, you know, I was thinking about, you know, I, I kind of want to make this part. So this is I'm just going to lay out the scenario. Um, Zika microcephaly uh, was supposedly a PHEIC, public health emergency of international concern, aka pandemic um, mosquitoes that cause dengue, um, and Zika is basically a, there's four dengue, there's four dengues and really Zika is like the the fifth mini dengue had never caused a single human problem, and dengue had millions of cases had never caused microcephaly. So in that context of a Z, uh, basically a dengue all of a sudden causing microcephaly, it was leaked to the press. It turned into this huge panic, and I'm not going to bore you with it. So that was its own thing. So why do we care about that now? It's, it's, I mean, a I care about it because I think you can't say something like that without having it retracted. And everybody who's getting paid to do Zika researching, they they have no interest in having the thing overturned. That's they're on, they're kind of on the the, you know, see above you know the financial thing that that happens. Um, But I think from a, you know, I'm kind of a, I like to think I'm a logical guy. I used to love Sherlock Holmes, now even more than the comics and whatnot. And I thought this is a Sherlock Holmes mystery. And I I think I've uncovered the answer of what happened. Anyway, be that as it may, why is this a concern now? Because uh, they're they're coming out with a Zika vaccine momentarily, um, probably within the next year or so. And my guess is it's going to be monetized. You know, that Zika has not been monetized yet. And so literally a billion, if not the entire earth, this will be one more vaccine that people are going to have to get so that, that when, the, you know, the young, when young women are, are impregnable, they won't have babies with microcephaly. Now, that's an awesome idea if, in fact, Zika cause microcephaly. Microcephaly is its own thing, just means small head, has occurred forever prior and will still occur for a variety of reasons I'm not going to get into. It's a very rare occurrence, one in a few, you know, probably a thousand births and whatnot. But my feeling is that this is going to happen, the WHO is going to, impress upon people to, you know, get this vaccine, and it's going to become a moneymaker for uh, probably Takeda, uh, Sanofi, uh, Moderna, uh, maybe others. Anyway, you got the sun in your eyes, <laughs> it might be a good time to, Not um, <laughs> to, to, to get going. So that's, that's my worry about that. That's why I think it's a big deal. That's why I want to have the comic book. I want to, you know, importune the WHO and everybody so that we can like stop and think before we do stuff. Because stopping and thinking seems not to be part of the uh, mechanism apparatus. I don't think uh, uh, whatever his name is, uh, Marcos, his name is longer than Kos, but I think his name is from, Koss is from Marcos. Uh, I think his Greek name. But anyway, I don't think he thought about it. I, I don't think Star Mignon uh, thought about it too much. Uh, you are a thinker. Uh, I mean, you know, anybody comes off using the word scurrilous in in uh, natural conversation. I, mean, I think uh, you're a thinker w- way above and beyond what people might associate with comic books, certainly not I. Um, and I uh, you know, appreciate you spending your time here with us today. Thanks, Doc. All right. Any closing words for our fans? Yeah, if you want to talk to me, uh,
1: follow me on Twitter at Bloody Red Baron. On Facebook, the comics and novels of Mike Baron. On Substack, Mike Baron. And I have my own website,
0: bloodyredbaron.com, which needs upgrading. All right. Lovely. All right. So you can stay on. We can chat for a second. I'm going to end the recording. Thank you very much. Uh, please pass it around. Please share. Uh, I don't have a Patreon or anything like that. But if you want to send me money, we'll try to you know, maybe do uh, small denominations, uh, send it to my address. Uh, thank you. Have a great day, everybody. Okay.